0: COVID-19 pandemic has without a doubt been the greatest disruption to education that the world has ever seen. Welcome to The Great Reset, a podcast from the World Economic Forum that looks
1: at how we can build a cleaner, fairer, smarter world after COVID-19. This week, education. The pandemic has transformed the way we teach and learn. In this episode, we talk to the Sesame Workshop about the impact on young children.
0: COVID is both an opportunity and an alarm bell to say if we don't invest in education, it will be at our peril. And we'll hear how the
1: Muppets are helping children children around the world, cope with the pandemic, and continue their education despite it. We'll even be getting an exclusive guest appearance from someone direct from Sesame Street.
2: Hello everybody, it is I, your cute and adorable pal Grover, with a message for listeners at the great Reset. Subscribe
1: to The Great Reset on Apple, SoundCloud, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts, and take a moment to like, rate, and review us.
0: Now, hardly any children have access to quality learning. During a global pandemic, what could be more important than this powerful tool of media?
1: I'm Robin Pomeroy, digital editor at the World Economic Forum, and this is The Great Reset. Wash, washy, wash, washy, wash, wash Some of the Muppets there from Sesame Street, encouraging children to wash their hands against COVID-19. Sesame Street is an American TV show that started 50 years ago aimed at entertaining and educating very young people. It's shown around the world now in different languages and different versions, and you won't be surprised to hear that programme makers are putting out material like this on COVID-19. Taking care of yourself is also taking care of others. We are all in this together. What may surprise you is the reach it has, taking its shows and its messages to war-torn and impoverished parts of the world, such as Afghanistan, and even the world's biggest refugee camp in Bangladesh. So to get an idea of how the pandemic has affected young children around the world, and how their education might be reset as we struggle out of it, we spoke to the Sesame Workshop, the non-profit education organisation behind Sesame Street. We'll be hearing from Sherry Weston, President of Social Impact and Philanthropy there, on the perils and opportunities presented by the pandemic to introduce her we're honored to welcome a blue furry character from sesame street grover
2: hello everybody it is i your cute and adorable pal grover with a message for listeners of the great reset well you are in luck because i know a thing or two about resetting Mm-hmm. i reset my alarm clock every morning <laughs> but you are talking about resetting the entire world now that is a very big job. Well, my friend, Ms. Sherry Weston and I are here to help. On Sesame Street, we know that it is very important for children to learn and play every day. And because playtime is so important, we have been thinking of ways to help children all over the world learn and play at home. At first, it was hard when nobody could go to school and I could not visit my friends like Elmo or, well, even Oscar the Grouch. Then, we learned to have video play time, which was a lot of fun and made us feel better. Now, I know you will want to hear all about it, and so I
0: will now let Miss
2: Sherry be the one to tell you, okay? Bye-bye, everybody.
0: COVID-19 pandemic has, without a doubt, been the greatest disruption to education that the world has ever seen. I think right now the figures are between 1.5 and 1.6 billion learners in more than 190 countries that are now um, out of school or don't have access to learning centers. Like any crisis, unfortunately, it impacts people in different ways based on where they live based on their socioeconomic condition. And so while this pandemic, you know, at the early on, we often said that the virus has no, you know, there's no bias, there's no discrimination, it affects all of us. Well, it's true that we're all susceptible to the virus, but it's not true that it affects us equally. So unfortunately, the most vulnerable children, Those who are in crisis settings, or are displaced, or in poverty, are impacted the greatest.
1: Let's start with that. Those children in those vulnerable settings. You've done some work in Bangladesh with the Rohingya refugees. Could you tell us about the work you've done there?
0: Yes. Well, both both in Bangladesh with the Rohingya crisis and in the Syrian response region in the Middle East. We are doing humanitarian work with local partners on the ground. And what we've done is created a model, if you will, where we create educational content that is local. So in Bangladesh, I mean all of this will be culturally sensitive, locally produced, in their language reflecting storylines that children can relate to. And to your point, that's you know, new Rohingya Muppets in the Bangladesh and Cox's Bazaar. In the Middle East, it's a program called Ahlan Simpson, which means Welcome Sesame, but it's a opportunity to combine broadcast media, digital uh, media, mobile apps, all sorts of ways to reach children at scale with educational content, combined with partnerships on the ground to do direct services. So then we create content that may be learning materials, storybooks, games, all sorts of curriculum that we empower those on the ground with in direct services. So the way we've been hit the most during COVID is many of those direct services, home visits, learning centers, obviously we've had to suspend that in-person contact, but it actually speaks to the critical importance of media and digital. What we're being forced to do is be more innovative. And that's one of the things I hope that post-COVID, we will have learned a lot about how we can be most effective in reaching children and families when we can't be there in person. Because I think that's gonna be valuable learning for the future.
1: You're saying you are learning some lessons about how to communicate when face-to-face communication is difficult. And I suppose schools that are reopening are having to come to terms with that as well. I mean, what are the lessons that you've learned along those lines?
0: It varies so much. I mean, even in the United States, it varies between private school and public school, sadly. But I think what we've seen around the world is there has not been a lot of Um, investment in flexible education or educational systems that can be mobilized in crisis. There's a huge digital divide, and it's so important that we invest in the equality so that we do have access to reach those who don't have the same opportunities for, you know, access to, to computers, to learning through digital. But at the same time, you know, we're really being forced to think more innovatively and to research the outcomes.
1: The digital divide that you mentioned is quite shocking. I think the pandemic has shown that. You're in the United States. I'm originally from the UK. Even in these relatively extremely wealthy countries, suddenly we realize, oh, not everyone does have access to the internet or can access home learning. And then you've got other parts of the world where that's just the norm. Do you have any hope that that will improve now, that this pandemic will spur action on to narrow that digital divide both in the Western world and the rest of the world?
0: Right now when you think of the COVID-19 pandemic, children are not the face of it. It's not affecting children in the same way that it is adults in terms of health. But I think children actually are those who are going to be affected most in the long run, and that the long-term repercussions of missing out on education and particularly investing, it's it's, to me, you know, such an insight that less than 3% of all humanitarian aid, and that's for children and families in crisis, less than 3% goes to education. And yet we know from research that that has the greatest return on investment, especially if you're including the youngest children. So my hope is that we will realize that we already had this serious gap and that as we're looking at how do we respond to COVID, that more will recognize how critical it is that we invest in education.
1: You're listening to The Great Reset. We'll be right back after this news of another podcast you may be interested in.
2: Probably globally, the worst is behind us, but also argue that the easy part is behind us because this thing's gonna flare up again and again.
1: Welcome to World Versus Virus, a podcast from the World Economic Forum that aims to make sense of the COVID-19 outbreak. This week, an expert economist gives us his view of the impact of the pandemic so far and where things are heading.
2: The sooner a vaccine is available and widely distributed, the better the chances of growth. But we don't really see that happening until the second half of 2021.
1: Nariman Beravesh, Chief Economist at IHS Market, tells us where the pain will be felt the most and which parts of the world and which sectors of the economy will fare better.
2: We're looking at what we call a bounce and fade pattern of growth really throughout the world. A lot of people now talking about a K-shaped recovery, where some sectors are doing well, whereas other sectors are struggling.
1: Subscribe to World vs. Virus on Apple, SoundCloud, Google, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts, and please take a moment to like, rate and review us. I'm Robin Pomeroy, Digital Editor at the world economic forum and this is world versus virus welcome back to the great reset where our guest is sherry westin president of social impact and philanthropy at the sesame workshop
0: sesame street has been here for 50 years we celebrated 50 years last year and what i think is so prescient about sesame is that it was started to see, as an experiment, could television be used to reach less advantaged children to give them some of the same advantages when they arrived at school. So focused on those critical early years and to provide earlier learning when, you know, those didn't have it. Now, hardly any children have access to quality learning. It's not just literacy and numeracy, but it's also the social-emotional skills, the health, the resilience. What we've done during um, the COVID-19 pandemic is we have made sure that we are reaching as many children as possible and we're working with governments, with NGOs. There's been such a demand for our content through World Bank, through USAID and others, but we've also pivoted to create COVID specific content so that we're also providing health and hygiene messages. We're providing specific COVID knowledge as well as tools and resources to help caregivers, parents, and children deal with the socio-emotional, deal with the anxiety and the stress that this kind of crisis creates. So I believe it's not only the fact that we have a means of distribution to reach families even in lockdown, but that we can also create content that's very specific to this particular crisis to help them feel less alone, to help give them practical tools in how they can um, be most effective in maintaining a learning environment when it has to be at home and not in a school.
1: Could you give us some examples of that? So is Elmo showing children how to wash their hands? What are the the kinds of things uh, they would be seeing?
0: We've done a lot of work around wash, water, sanitation, and hygiene over the years. And so now, you know, that's as important as ever. But we've also done very specific content. And it's been through short form for digital. It's been through PSAs. It's been through long form. So there are all sorts of animated videos about Elmo washing his hands and washing his hands for the right length of time. There's even a little song he sings so that a child would would participate and have a amount of time needed to for you know thorough hand washing. There are family specials we've created.
1: I've heard you talking elsewhere about the perception in some countries of women and girls and how you've been able to challenge that. And I wonder if sometimes there's any resistance to that in some of those countries or how well that's been received.
0: In Afghanistan, we have a local production called Bache Simpson, which means Sesame Garden in Dari and Pashtu. And we partner with the Ministry of Education. The goals to include girls' education and gender equity are not the Sesame bringing that in without the country embracing it. Are there those in the country who would resist? Absolutely. But we don't go in countries unless we're invited and working closely with local um, partners, local producers, and almost always the Ministry of Education. So qu- girls' education was a key curricular goal. That led um, to the creative, to creating the first Muppet for Afghanistan, we made sure she was a little girl. Her name is Zari. She wears her headscarf, her hijab, and her school uniform. And it gives us an opportunity to not only model and inspire young girls, you know, model for young girls, girls going to school, inspire them, help them think big, to dream big, and and see opportunities they may n- not have envisioned. But equally important, we're we're showing little boys that it's okay for girls to go to schools. The other Muppet is Zari's little brother, Xerox. And so everything is about modeling the importance of gender equity. Xerox looks up to Zari, but we couldn't do any of this without data. And I couldn't raise the money needed if I couldn't prove impact. So one of the things I find the most rewarding is that in Afghanistan, where we have a tremendous viewership reaching close to 4 million children, there are 5 million children under the age of five. And the research shows that not only do little girls react to Zari, but she's the favorite character of little boys. And little boys who watch test 29% higher in terms of gender equity, saying they think it's fine for girls to go to school and for girls and women to have different roles and responsibility. It even gets better. The qualitative research shows that fathers have cited Bache Simpson again and again as the reason they've changed their minds about permitting their daughter to go to school. My theory is it's like a Trojan horse where it's not threatening. It's a children's show. And 80% of the audience in Afghanistan watches with a parent or caregiver. So those fathers are being influenced by Bache Simpson. And that really is about planting the seeds for societal change.
1: Are there any key lessons you could give to any of us about how we teach safely and appropriately young children at this stage of the global pandemic?
0: My advice to adults, to parents, would be to be as engaged as possible with your children. And that even when um, a child can't be in school, the most important thing is that engagement, that play, just looking for opportunity. And look, parents are overwhelmed, too, and stressed. We know that. but Even if it can't be perfect, the more they can do to create those routines and create opportunities for engagement, particularly for children zero to five, is the most important thing for their healthy brain development.
1: Those of us lucky enough to have access to the technology are overwhelmed with content. So you're in a competitive environment, but I wonder what it is, in your opinion, that makes what you produce stand out, even from the relatively good stuff that's available out there on the Internet.
0: So I think it is the power of the muppets to engage children and for children to identify with them that makes them such effective role models. And I as I mentioned earlier, the fact that we very much appeal to adults and deliberately so increases our our ability to have a real impact. And and that was that's why celebrities or musicians or Humor uh, are included in these productions, so that it's working on on two levels. So I believe that our our success, you know, is in large part because of that engagement. To your point, there's a lot else on um, television or on the tablet media content. We can't just teach if we don't reach. We have to engage to maintain a child's attention and to compete with all of the other, you know, animation and and other content there. And the other point I will make is that I believe that we have been so effective in remaining relevant, not just by continuing to have sort of pop culture and zeitgeist and celebrities, but by addressing the issues that are most impacting children, whether that's parental addiction, whether that's displacement, or whether that's a global pandemic.
1: My thanks to our guest this week, Sherry Weston, President of Social Impact and Philanthropy at the Sesame Workshop, and of course, thanks to her friend Grover. Subscribe to The Great Reset on Apple, SoundCloud, Spotify, Google, or wherever you get your podcasts. And please check out our sister podcast, Will vs. Virus, and take a moment to like, rate, and review us if you would. You can find all our back catalogue of podcasts at wef.ch slash podcasts and get all our coverage of COVID-19 at weform.org and across social media on Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, TikTok, YouTube, and on Twitter using the handle at WEF. Thank you very much, Gareth Nolan, for help producing this week's podcast. Thanks to you for listening. But for now, from me, Robin Pomeroy at the World Economic Forum,
0: goodbye.